Hello friends, how are you? How are you getting on? My name is Colm and this is the Sober Mess podcast and you're very welcome. Today we're absolutely chuffed and honoured to have me go pal from over the pond, Sam Phillips on the podcast. Sam is an avid sea dipper. He runs the Dare to Dip Instagram page and anytime I'm just not feeling like getting in the cold or your sea, I always have a look at Sam's page and he always inspires me to get in the sea. So he's an absolute legend. He's one of my biggest inspirations. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just honoured to have him here on the podcast for a chat. So Sam, how are you, man? Oh, what well, welcome, mate. Thank you. <laughs> ah, man, I'm absolutely delighted. Were, were, you, were you in for the tip today? Oh, no, nah, I had a cold shower this morning because I had a meeting straight after, but I'm going in tomorrow morning, definitely. Oh, man, yeah. Man. yeah, I was just saying before the podcast, I got in this morning and it was a lashing rain. But, man, there's yeah. something about getting in the sea when it's raining where there's just an extra nice energy to it. Like, you can, yeah. you can, you can't feel the rain when you're in the water, but I just feel like there's a very nice, uh, very nice atmosphere to the, the old sea when you're in there. Definitely. And with the rain, it's like a form of meditation, isn't it? They play rain music when you when you're doing meditating tapes and stuff like that, and and it, I think it adds to it as well. I love it when it's raining. Yeah, because I, I like that type of meditation because I'd have like a very hyper mind. So I'd, like sitting down on just the on the yoga mat with the incense lighting and the yoga pants yeah. on, like you know, it doesn't really do for me because yeah. I'm too easily distracted. I'm thinking about what I'm gonna have for me dinner later yeah. or who's playing I'm football, e- you know. And uh, yeah, I'm exactly the same. That's why the cold waters work yeah. so much for me because as soon as you hit that. Cold cold water your mind goes still and if you've got the same mind as what you just uh, described the same as what i have as well cold water therapy is the perfect thing for someone like us i think because it really does like just put you in in that moment it's it's magic it is and i like that that phys- the physical sensations you know you're in the water you feel it against your skin you can hear it you can smell it you can, yeah. can you can taste it you know and it's it's bringing you into the present moment you know you're so focused on your sensations especially when it's freezing cold you know all all you're trying to do is catch your breath you know what i mean you're not thinking yeah. about anything else so it's like i like that the, the physical form of meditation be it getting into the sea or when you're going up hiking and you're just you're taking everything in you're trying to be as present mm. as possible you know and Edgar Tall talks about this in the power and now like just be an intensely present observe your surrounding use your you like you use your like eyesight to look at what's around you use your ears to listen to the, the noises around you you know what you taste yeah. and what are you smelling use all your like sensations to, and your senses to bring you into the present moment yeah it's not it's not just that as well. The, the present moment's great and looking over the horizon, but the, the most benefit I personally get from it is because it puts you in a state of fight or flight. And yeah. I've always had like a panic disorder where where you ha- I used to have panic attacks as a teenager. And that essentially is that you're in a state of fight or flight. But when you go into cold water and you put yourself in a controlled state of fight or flight, so you're essentially t- um, teaching your brain to deal with that, you know? So I've... I've like, it's not only helped me, but people, when I first started up Dare to Dip, they were signed off work with panic attacks and stuff like this. And after doing two to three weeks of cold water therapy, they were back at work. And they've wow. been signed off. Yeah, some of them were signed off for two years. Because what I say with the cold water, you go to the gym and you train your muscles. But if you go to the water, you're training your mind. And you're, you're putting yourself in a controlled state daily of fight or flight. So when a situation like that occurs in real life, you're armed with the tools to deal with it, you know? 
That's fascinating. That is brilliant. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's why it's so, so beneficial. It, like, how long have you been practicing cold water therapy for now? Oh, in, in total, I'd say probably I got into it and I actually got into it. So I remember I was getting a sea dip in. I was getting. In, I remember getting into the sea once <laughs> down the Voico, down the local place here, and I actually got in, and the, my body went into such shock and nearly drowned. And I just remember sinking <laughs> to the bottom, and I'm like, I'm never ever doing that again. And then I remember <laughs> yeah. like a couple of months later, getting. I was going through real. Look yourself. Like I was going through a really hard time with grief and uh, mm. just my mental health. And a friend that I knew from the sober community was getting in, and he invited me down, and I, I kept turning it down, and eventually I tried it. And I liked that. I just remember that we were getting in going, this is, geez, how can anyone enjoy this? But it was after I got out, and the, the sense of peace and just yeah. relaxation I got, the after effect. And that was about mm. four years ago, and it just, it became one of my uh, healthy coping mechanisms, and I, yeah. I just love it now, man. I just love getting in the sea. It's, it's, uh, I just feel really it's connected. Dopamine, it's, it's mm. that dopamine fix that you need. We we chased it cells through drink and and drugs for years, but now this is a healthier way of doing it, and it's scientifically proven that if you get into cold water, it releases the same amount of dopamine into the brain as what cocaine does. But with cocaine, you get a sudden crash, so then you're always chasing that drug. But with cold water therapy, it releases the same amount of dopamine, but gradually throughout the whole day. So you get little spikes of energy. Do you notice in the afternoon and that? Yeah, that's the dopamine being released. Yeah, and and that's the thing, man. We found out like I'll always have that addictive personality, but it's about channeling it into the healthier things, like yeah. that the sea dipping or the running or the hiking. You know, like these things that give me a sense of excitement. But yeah. don't leave the destruction behind, you know? Yeah, and it's having that awareness, what you just had, to, to realise that we're always going to be wired up this way, it's who we are, but there is healthier things to chase, I don't yeah. mean. And, and it, you can have a quick fix and pick drink and drugs, which is a solution for the second, but it's going to make it worse the next day. Whereas if you pick a healthier thing like climbing a mountain or or getting into the cold water and everything, then you've got you get that healthy amount of dopamine without any sudden crashes. Therefore, we're not constantly chasing it straight away again, like you would do with a drink or a drug. You know. Yeah, that's the thing, and it's that quick hit gratification. You get the quick high, but then comes the quick low with the drink and the yeah. drugs. You know the consequences. So then you're chasing another quick high, yeah. and then it's just you're on this constant pursuit of escape. Yeah, I'll call you it know? A- I call it a helicopter blade because it's a vicious circle. Once you pick up a drink or a drug, you, you're chasing it constantly. Like you say, you crash quickly. So then you're chasing it and you think, oh, I'll just have one. But before you know it, with me, anyway, three or four months have gone past. <laughs> yeah. Just obliterated myself trying to chase that same high and you never get the same high from the first hit of yeah. any substance. You know, And that's it. It's yeah. about still getting that sense of fun and joy and excitement. But from like, I had this real false belief that alcohol was making my life fun and exciting and it was making me happy but it wasn't man it was just numbing my wounds it was just putting mm. out them inner demons and them inner fires that i had it was like a medicine that was making me sicker and it was just yeah. adding to the anxiety adding to the destruction but what it was it was numbing everything in my life so if i was getting stressed out over a bill or getting stressed out over an argument with the missus or getting stuck in a traffic jam or whatever it was i'd just yeah. take a drink and i'd just blanket everything and numb everything yeah. out because there's no way of dealing with stress no way it, of dealing it, with anxiety 
becomes your coping mechanism. But what you just described there is what I was doing for so long, and all I was doing was compressing something. When it comes to the surface, like an emotion, anger, sad, happy, um, whatever the emotion may be, I'd drink or take a drug and compress it and push it back down. So I'd never let the feeling mm. like go. Now, what I've learned in sobriety is sit with my feeling and rec- recognise that whatever it is, it's only temporary. And I can let that go. I don't have to keep compressing it all the time. That's all you're doing with drinking drugs is just compression, compressing them emotions. And eventually, you, something's going to burst. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so so yeah. you have to let that shit go. And that's one of the most important things I've learned in recovery is every single emotion, even happiness, is only temporary. So you mm. just ride that wave. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and just, they all come back around again. That's it. I, yeah. This too shall pass. This too so, shall pass. Yeah, so, sometimes yeah. it passes like a kidney stone, but it does pass. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. So, yeah. Sam, uh, bring, man, bring us right back to the start. Bring us right back to your ex- experience, strength and hope, and where, where, yeah. what are the origins of your story and how you came to be where you are today? Okay, so um, I grew up as a teenager with... Uh, I grew up in a normal normal family environment. I've got a brother and a sister, mum and dad, and my home life was perfect. But I, from a young age, I realised that I was very different to my brother and sister. They're, they're like straight-A students, and, and I was always getting in trouble, and I was just wired up differently. And I had all these over-obsessive thoughts from a teenager where I would um, I'd have a growing pain, and I'd think I was having a heart attack. Or I'd have a headache and assume it was a brain tumour. Always overwhelmed and thought I was going to die. I had this fear of death from a young age. And um, and I remember going over the park with my friends and we, we stood outside this shop for ages asking people to go in and get us alcohol. And we got cider, you know, a cheap cider. And I remember drinking that over the field for the first time. I was about 13. And I remember all these fears and anxieties just floating away. And I thought, this this I remember to this day, and I'm... I'm 37 now. I was 13 at the time, but I remember thinking this must be what normal feels like. Mm. And I thought this is my magic cure, which is a dangerous mindset to have. Yeah. For 13 year old. You know, so, um, so I, I become quite reliant on alcohol quite soon. Like, I never, I didn't like become addicted and drinking every single day, but I couldn't wait until we were getting over the field again. Cause I wanted to feel that feeling, you know? And, um, and it progressed from from a young age into my early earlier teens, like like drinking, binge drinking, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, and then it'd be like oh, dirty Thursday, and putting like a cool name on it so it didn't sound so bad. And it's Thursday mm-hmm. through till Sunday, and I would binge drink like that for a long time. And um, the the like we were talking about before the 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 vicious circle, the, my anxieties and fears were being compressed. And I wasn't feeling the way I was in the day when I had a substance in me. But what alcohol does is it's your best friend at first, but then it, it will turn its back on you pretty quickly. And it, it it heightened all my fears and all my anxiety. So when I was sober, I was living in even more fear and even more anxiety. And my overactive mind become even more of a whirlwind, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, as I got older and older then then i've started relying on it more and introduced to cocaine and um and i had the same thing i didn't learn from alcohol but the first time i took a line of cocaine i thought exactly the same oh, i've arrived this is the magic cure of what makes me feel normal and then that just escalated f- from there really and, um, and my life just 
just has an ups and downs of getting sober, not getting sober. I've got two daughters that are um, 12 and 13 and I'm 28 months sober now, but I've been sober on and off throughout their whole life. But it's been a struggle because I never had a fellowship or, or worked on myself or had cold water therapy or anything like that before. So the years I've had two years sobriety or 16 months, 18 months, three months, two months, whatever it may be, I've always ended up relapsing because we were talking before we hit record and you said you felt very much on your own and I felt the same. I didn't think anyone else was the way I was. Um, so I, so I, I battled and struggled on for years on my own. Um, but this time round, after finding cold water therapy and and um, and other groups that I go to and everything, it's been a game changer for me massively, massively. Finding other people on the same journey like yourself and others has been just the connection I needed to to get better. Yeah, I can I can relate so much to that man. Like I um, I think the the, the number one offender for like a relapse for me, was always isolation. Mm. It was always isolation. You know, when I, I stayed away from, like, healthy connections and I was just left with my own head and left with my own devices and I was left with that salesman in my head that used to, like, come up with these terrible ideas. And when I was in a good place mentally, I'd know they're terrible ideas and say, that's no, I'm not going to do that. That's a, such a stupid thing to do. I'm not going to take a drink. After all the chaos and destruction... The other million drinks that I've had have caused the next drink is obviously going to do the exact same thing. And the mm. logic is there. But the more I isolated, the more that and the more uncomfortable my life got and the more pain I felt myself come going into that, that drink started to become more and more attractive. And that salesman started to pitch better sales and I'll be coming up with the nice little like bargaining going, well, what if we just drink this weekend and then we'll give it up? For, for good like or what if we like go on a mad diet and we'll drink and we'll just go on the organic wine or something and you know always trying to bargain and rationalise and eventually I'd go back out and I'd relapse and exact same result every time as Albert Einstein said doing the exact same thing and expecting different results and that was yeah. my problem man I was using the same thinking that got me into the hole to try get me out of the hole and you can't heal in the same environment that got you sick and and that was mm. the problem and then when I like, like yourself you know when I started to go to healthier communities like AA meetings and sea dipping and you know around people that were also sober I didn't feel I didn't like before that I used to go like still hang around with my old pals who were sitting in pubs and talking shit and I was like I, I'll sit here and just be sober but you know it's like that saying if you sit in a barber's long enough you're gonna get a haircut you know yeah. and eventually like I felt like such I just felt like the odd one out in that circle you know and then when I felt got when I hung around people on a on in the sober community not only was their like their habits of not drinking beneficial but their their the the narrative and the way they communicated they were so deep and honest and raw and open and vulnerable you know grown men like talking about their feelings and their emotions and i never experienced that before in my life look it's not like you'd be Mm. sitting in the pub and say here anto get us a point i'm feeling insecure like you know and i was feeling these grown men talking about emotions talking about feeling inferior feeling insecure in their relationships not feeling not good enough for their jobs you know not i'm just i'm feeling like 
they wanted to drink, but they're not going to. And 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 you know, talking about their struggles, but then talking about the hope. And that that kept me that that kept kept me uh, connected and wanting to keep thriving because then I felt part of a tribe. I felt part of a team that it wasn't just me staying off the drink. We were staying off the drink together, and there was people texting you saying, oh, "How are you doing? How are you getting on?" And people that were genuinely interested in, in you and your well-being and, and me being from the background that I came from I was such a cynic and I had such trust issues with people because all the friends that I used to hang around with they were all, like they were your best mate when you had like a bag full of a pocket full of money or a bag full of drink or a pocket full of drugs they were your best pal but if you had nothing that you wouldn't hear from them so when people started being nice to me I was like what are these what are they out for what are they looking for off me you know and it took it took me a while to just see well these people are just they're just out for my best interest they just genuinely want to see if I'm okay and what I later learned when I kind of went through the like the 12 step program and things like that was that by them thinking of me and putting other people ahead of themselves that was part of them staying sober because it was keeping them out of their heads and we talked about getting into the sea as a form of meditation and they were using like thought of others and service for others as a way of healing themselves and you know a way of staying sober was putting other people ahead of them yeah absolutely I can relate so much to what you're saying and it's it's not just the meetings and stuff. It's doing stuff like this, like mm. just hearing you speak. Then and I can relate. You automatically have a connection with someone because you've been in their shoes. And the first ever meeting I went to, I um I listened to a bloke get vulnerable and sit up the front, and and I was just come off for like a, a four month binge, and it's the first time I'd ever been to a meeting. So it was still all about me, and I thought. How do, they've set this up because that bloke sat up there is talking about my story. How does he know this information on me? It was all to do with me, but mm. that's because I could relate so much. I was thinking, well, why was he telling my story? But it was, it was his story. He'd just been through the same stuff as what I had. It was actually a friend that took me. My my, I relapsed in the pandemic, and um, I'd been about two years sober off my own back, coming up to two years sober. And um, my friend, who's been in sobriety for a long time because he's been in the fellowship, had heard I'd relapse and he kept trying to ring me. And I kept watching his name ring out, but I was so full of resentment that I'd relapsed. And and I was thinking, oh, he's he's uh, he's not. And I was thinking, he's thinking he was better than me. All madness going on in my head. Um, and I, I just ignored his phone calls. I sat there and watched it ring out. And I sat forward on my chair. I'd never used to lean back. I'd, I'd always sit forward listening to depressing music, drinking and taking drugs with my curtains drawn and the world shut out, you know. Mm. And um, and I and I was crawling along the floor one evening looking for little scraps of cocaine off the floor because I'd run out. And that's where it took me. And while I was on my knees, I just thought, oh, I don't know if there's a God, but if if there's anything up there, please help me. And I, I walked over to a, a house across town that was near mine and we ended up doing loads of cocaine and drink through the night. And I walked back about four in the morning and I was trying to manipulate everyone around me. I was dressed in gym clothes and had a gym bag that was full of cocaine and, and alcohol. And I saw my friend um, who was trying to call me and I didn't want to see him. So I quickly dived into a shop and like nearly knocked all the beer bottles off from the shopkeeper. This was like early in the morning. He was trying to kick me out. I was like, wait a minute, and I, ha- I hid in there for about 20 minutes. And when I come out thinking my mate would have gone, he was just sat on the bonnet of his car, and he was like, are you ready to get some help now, Sam? <laughs> and I was like, oh, well. <laughs> so he, um, right opposite where I am, I 
we was outside this shop and he walked me around this church building for about 25 minutes and he was talking to me about the fellowship and he offered to take me to my first meeting up in Essex the next day. So I went up with him, went to my first meeting and then because the the talker had pulled out, they asked him to talk um, and it was his his uh, talk that was the first one I ever heard and I thought, well, how does he know my story to that much detail? But it was mm-hmm. his own story and I'd known him for years but I didn't know anything of that about him because men just don't talk to each other, do we? And... Um, to cut a long story short, six months later, I was still clean and sober. And the church he walked me around, I got asked to do a talk there. And I spoke to 20 other addicts about my experience, strength and hope to wow. them. And so, so like, come full circle. You know, yeah. like a, and that, that's yeah. powerful, isn't it? And, and that's the thing, man, where we're always just using our own experience to help the next person coming through. And I remember hearing this poem about the man stuck down the hole and, you know, it, it sums up recovery and how one addict can help another addict by staying sober. Mm. And essentially it's about this man, he's stuck down the hole and he's screaming for help and he can't get out. And then a priest walks past and he says, please, Father, will you help me get out of this hole? And the priest sees him down there, says a blessing and throws him down a pair of rosary beads and walks away. But he's still stuck down the hole. And then a millionaire walks past. He says, please, mate, will you help me get out of this hole? And the millionaire sees him down there, looks down, writes him a check and throws it down the hole. And now he has a check and his rosary beads, but he's still stuck down the hole. And he's giving up hope. He's shouting, he's screaming, he's starting to cry. He can't get out. And next thing a doctor walks past, he says, please, Doctor, help me get out of this hole. And the doctor looks down and says, I know just what you need. And he writes him a prescription and throws it down the hole. And now he has his prescription, his check and his rosary beads, but he's still stuck down this hole. He can't get out. And he's giving up hope. He's thrown in the towel. And then another alcoholic walks past and sees him down there. And he jumps down beside him. And your man says, what are you doing? Now the two of us are stuck down here. And the alcoholic says, yeah, but we've been down here many times and I'll show you the way out. Follow me. And he finds his way out of the hole. And, and and that's that's the beauty of like y- your 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 pain and your struggle in life will later serve you as an attribute. It becomes it, it nearly becomes like um a credit. You know, that your scars become these 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 ways of connecting and striking up a rapport with someone else. Because I remember when I was struggling with drink, you know, and all the doctors and the police and the judges and the parents be always pointing the finger and, and just make me feel worse. And I could, and I just felt like they never, they never understood. And I just felt like I, I'm, I'm trying my best to get sober, but I never could. I used to always just end up slipping and sliding and, and falling back in these holes. And no matter how many promises I made, I used to just always fuck up. And I, I never knew why. Because when I said, look, I'm staying off, I promise. And you could hook me up to a lie detector test and I'd pass. But somehow that head would convince me to get back again. And it wasn't until mm. I talked to someone else who was on the, who was once hopeless in addiction and then they got sober and they came and told me their story and they talked about how, you know, that the you know, the, the physical allergy of of addiction where if you have one drink, you need another. That phenomenon of craving that one leads to another. And you that no matter what you do that if you, once you put one drink in your system, you have to have another one. And But then he said to talk about the fear, the anxiety, the loneliness, the isolation, the inadequacy, feeling like a black sheep, you know, all these things that I could identify with and say, yeah, man, I thought, like what you said there, 
Sam, like I thought I was the only one that experienced these feelings. And then when I heard another human talk about that, I got this sense of like relief, but I also got the sense of connection and, and being understood. And I think that's the thing for a lot of alcoholics and addicts that we just feel unheard or that no one gets us until we go mm-hmm. into a fellowship or a community of other people who've walked on both sides, who've been in the rain and know what it's like and are also now on on a better path and a better trajectory in life. And I think that's the beauty of having a community around you. And that's why we I can't do it alone. Like I need to be around other people that are also on the same journey and always helping the next guy. And I know today that my sobriety is based on helping the the next guy. Like my it's like you're on a lifeboat and the only condition for you to stay on this lifeboat is that if you're helping the next guy out of water onto the lifeboat. And that's that's what mm. it's all about. You have to to give it away, you have to keep it to get. What's it? You have to give it away to keep it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, mate. And I love that story, that analogy that you just put. I've never heard that before, and it's so spot on. And you're right. Like doctors and that have helped me in the past, but they've never understood me. And it wasn't until um, I met other addicts that 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 I thought, wow, this the, the, that feeling. I got from this is normal that now I've arrived from a drink and a drug in the past. I got that from meeting other addicts who are on the same recovery journey because I finally understood something about my, my disease and that's what it is, you know, like I never understood that before, but it is a disease that, you, that you're born with, I believe, or, or, or something that you can get later on down the line. But um, it, it is, it has been the game changer for me to the, to find other people that, you go to a meeting and you hear someone's story or even in the break when you talk to someone and, and you couldn't go to the doctors and say how you're feeling. So, so they'd put you in a fucking like straight jacket or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> if you, yeah, if yeah. you say, if you say it to a, a meeting, someone in the meeting's like, Oh yeah, same here. Yeah. That's the beauty of the meetings. Like the worst you are, the more they want you. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you know, other people are trying to tell you their successes so you like them more. Whereas, like, you go to, like, a 12-step meeting, people are telling you the war stories and the more the war yeah. story you hear, the more you love, like, the more compassion you have for someone. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. why, that's why I just love the narrative of the of the 12-step community because everyone's so raw and vulnerable and, like, just out there. And, and no one's, like, as you said at the start, that we're taught as young kids to suppress our emotions, suppress our feelings, and always just mm-hmm. wear this mask that everything's grand, you're happy, you're happy and go, happy-go-lucky, and you're, you're smashing life and you're successful. But deep down, you're just falling apart. You know, it's like you're dancing on the outside and you're, you're burning on the inside. Yeah, exactly, mate. You, you're as passionate in that about recovery in the rooms and that as I am. Like, I, I, I use the analogy of of it. Recovery for me is like a, a mosaic. You know, we all started off as this vase, yeah, mm-hmm. and then fucking life come along and it knocked us over and it smashed us into a million pieces. And then recovery come along, the artist, and it put us all back together into something more beautiful. You know, oh, and that's yeah, it's exactly what recovery yeah. is for me. What did he yeah. say? Broken crayons can still colour in. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, that's, <laughs> but that's the beauty of it, man. And that's what I love. And I think that's why we have this special connection. Like, I, I couldn't, like, I never met you before, but yes, straight away, I feel like I have this bond with you, you know, because yeah. we've walked on both sides of, of, of the road and we know what it's like to be in that struggle, to be hopeless. And now we share that passion of recovery and wanting to see the next mm. person uh, 
do well, like you know, and 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 that yeah. sense of camaraderie. I think, I think you, everyone that's in in sobriety and that, and they're trying to do better for themselves, they all automatically have an overwhelming sensation to help the other man because we know how how bad it got, and we know that there's people sitting in that same situation as us, and you almost see them as a as a past version of yourself that you want to be able to help now. Like I look at myself in the past, sitting on an old dirty beanbag, drinking, just wondering whether to kill myself or not. And I think to myself, I wish I could go back and pick that bloke up and give him a hug and let him know everything's all right. But that's impossible. But what we can do is pick the other people up that sat in that same situation now, you know, um, and let them know that there is there is a light and we can help turn it on for them if they need it. That's powerful. So, if you were to look back to like the times that you kind of that you relapsed to now, what do you think led you down them paths to relapse, and what do you think you do differently now to prevent it? Well, I have to put all tools into place now to protect myself from the first drink, and that's taking action. If I have a thought, I'm allowed to have thoughts. You know, that's what we do, and I can think about having a drink, but I need to act on it. And now, there's two ways you can do that: you can either act on it and pick up a drink and take it, and end up back at square one. Or, or you can pick pick it up and from. I'm oh, sorry. No, it's, I got, yeah, so I got a phone call. There. Sorry. Um, or, or you can pick it up and uh, the phone up and ring someone and tell them you're having that thought, and you can go back to to recovery. You know, it is really like the devil on your shoulder or the angel. Which one mm. you're going to pick? You know, and and I've got a community around me now and a, and a phone book armed with people that are on the same journey. So whenever things are getting a bit wobbly, I've got tools into place now that I can ring people and I do my cold water therapy and I get myself some meetings and that. And relapses in the past, they, they got harder and harder to get out of. I, I I lost my home and I lost my money. I lost my family. I lost everything. And then I I I got it all back within a year. I'm not a the family that I lost my relationship and that, but I got a new place. I got a new job. I got out of all my debts and everything. And then my mind said to me, you can just have a drink this time and not drugs. And I picked up a drink and within four months, I'd lost my home. I'd lost my job and I was in even more debt than I was before. And to get back from, from that rock bottom before, and then to end up back there does some crazy stuff to your head. I just think I haven't got the, energy and i haven't got the the ability to get myself back out of it i used everything to claw myself back up last time and i've got nothing left and that left me in a very scary place and it left me suicidal um and and my body was giving up on me the last relapse i had my body was giving up on me i went to the doctors and my body was producing too many red blood cells and not enough white because it was in survival mode um that would have led to a clot and the doctor said the the clock would have gone to my brain and given me a stroke or it had gone to my heart and give me a heart attack. And in that split moment, I accepted my fate and I thought to myself, it's too late for me. And I almost felt a sense of relief. And this is just me being honest. And I thought, well, that's the fight over. I'm done. And I had a drink. I went home and had a drink and, and took drugs that day. And then, and then I looked at a picture of my daughters and I thought, you're being a selfish prick here. You're, you're going to leave these two girls on this planet yeah, without a dad. You need to get your ass up and, and you need to do everything you can to give it one last shot. Um, and that's what I've done. I've got help. Um, I saw my mate, 
I went to a meeting. I set up this dare to dip thing. Um, I started going into the water. I said, I'm going to go in. I'd done 30 days of cold showers initially and found that everything was getting better, like stress-wise and everything. Went back to the doctors after a couple of months of sobriety and they said that my bod- my bloods had gone back to normal and I was all right, wow. so that was a relief. Um, and then I said, I'm gonna, this cold shower thing's helping. I'm going to jump in the North Sea every single day for a year and try and help uh, the people in my community. I knew a lot of people were suffering because of the pandemic. Uh, day one on the 15th of March, I went into the water on my own and my mum and my sister and nephew come down and watched. And then day two, a friend who had been suffering with mental health joined me. Day three, there was three or four people on the beach. Day four, there was 15 people. Day six, there was a big crowd of 40 people on the wow. beach. And it just grew and grew and grew. And over the year, 400 people from my community joined in to, with Dare to Dip. And I got voted a, for the Pride of Britain Awards for it. And I went from being a hopeless addict who was getting arrested and causing mischief and lying, robbing, stealing um, to, to feed my addiction to raising thousands of pounds for charity um, and 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 getting voted for Pride of Britain and, and I got a Mayor's Award for Outstanding Contribution to, to my community. So that I'm, I don't say that out of ego. I say that out of um, hope for someone else because wow. we've all got the ability to, to turn things around, you know. I was, I was a hopeless addict that was, that was in a lot of trouble and, and I've managed to change things around and I'll never, ever take that for granted, you know. That's, Very lucky. That's absolutely powerful, man. That is powerful. Like, and I'm just thinking that if you hadn't have gotten sober, the amount of people you would have deprived of of the resource yeah. and the therapeutic effects of the sea dipping but the community and you were like like you were like the person that's that triggered that you know and it's like you got sober and then you started sea dipping and then it was like the snowball effect where it just started growing and people seen the positive energy they seen the positivity of that and like tracks like and you see that you know even though your friend was an alcoholic or addict but it was the mental health and people just seeing that oh, i'm not in a good place but i'm seeing hope in this and if we do this it makes me feel better and that started to grow that people were like i want something i want something to you know to to, to positive in my life you know and they seen you going out getting into the sea and it and it just grew and grew and grew and got bigger and bigger and then you have a, a whole new community out there and i think that's the problem man is that when we get sober first or we, we want to go down a different road say get away from the old friends or the old environments and that we look out there in the world and go well, where do we go now i'm not in, i'm not drinking anymore so i can't go to the pub you know, we can't hang around with the old pals. It's Saturday and I've nothing to do, you know. And then, like, people like yourself putting up these sea dips at the weekends and uh, being happy and content in life and not needing a drink or a drug. And you're like, wow, we, oh, oh, that's like, you know, and it's, it's like that thing, you know, it's, it's not a program of promotion. It's a program of attraction that you just mm. live in, that you just embody the sober lifestyle and how to see how to see essentially got you sober and people are like, well, I, I want to connect in with that and they see that positivity and they see the change in you and how you just brought all those people together and yeah, man, it's, it's just incredible and it shows the the ripple effects of recovery and how we can have an impact on the people around us. Like, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, it does have a massive ripple effect on not just the person getting sober, my, my family and the people I love the most have benefited from it as well, but not, not, 
just me, people I've managed to help and everything and got back into work and their family have shown gratitude and everything. It has such a ripple effect. And you're right, just a bloke that was that jumped in that hole to try and help other people out, you know, because I know I know how bad it is to be to be in it in the first place. And I feel very, very grateful to be where I'm at today, to be able to help people. Yeah, it's absolutely powerful. Like and like yeah, I'm mean, just thinking like like it, it there's only positives to getting sober, like there's only positives to it. Like for you, yeah. what what do you think is your the biggest benefit of being sober? What's the biggest holiday since you've gotten sober? That there is literally just helping other people. The, helping other people is I say it to my kids all the time. Helping other people is the most selfish thing you can ever do. Is of what it gives you to you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it is. It's helping people, but it's that connection and getting. I've always been close to my daughters. I've always been a part of their lives, but my presence was gone. Yeah. I was I was going out and taking it on days out, and, you, and I had that fear initially of missing out, like you were just saying, right? But the only thing I was missing out on was memories. Right? Mm. I was drinking and going out weekends and everything before I started isolating myself, but I'd, I'd forget all that. Now I go out, my presence is there, and I'm making memories, and that's what life is about. We get about 70 to 80 years on this spinning rock if we're lucky. Mm. Yeah, I do not want to put substances inside my body that make me forget anything. My daughters are growing up way too quickly. My nieces and nephews are growing up way too quickly. I don't want to miss any of it. I don't want to speed any of that up by taking substances. I want to put all the substances down like I have. I want to work every single day. I use the 24 hours I've got in front of me now to be the better version of myself than what I was yesterday. Um, I create memories these days. I don't, I don't forget any, you know, and that, that is what sobriety has given me. It's given me my life back. That's powerful, man. Yeah. It's, it's so true, isn't it? And it's like, we put down the drink and it, it, I remember hearing the, seeing this uh, sign. I was at a 12-step meeting in America before and there's a sign on the wall that says, we didn't come this far to come this far. And essentially it's like just because you put down the drink, you know, that, that and that's when the work starts and that's when we start to grow and that's when we start to heal. And it's it's not always easy, you know, it's not always linear, you know, it's because the things that we used to drink on, they come to the surface, you know. You talked about it earlier, but we suppress the feelings and the hardships, and they come to and they come up to the surface. And it's like that old saying. I'm sure you heard you heard it as well. You know, the good news is you get your feelings back, and the bad news is you get your yeah. feelings back. You know, and yeah. and that was it, man. But like you, I realised that well, wow, I've another chance at life here. I've another opportunity to go and do things that I thought I'd never be capable of doing. I used to sit in bars and pubs and say to the lads, oh, someday I'm going to go travel in Asia, I'm going to go backpacking, and someday I'm going to do a marathon, someday I'm going to join jiu-jitsu. And I'd say all these things, but I'd never follow them up, I'd never do mm. them. Because I just, because everything was getting fulfilled by taking this drink, the inner void I felt, the lack of, the lack of uh, potential that I felt, or the the lack of purpose or meaning in my life. I just drink, and that would just numb everything out. And then when I put down this drink, I had this hunger for more for life, and being like, mm. right, I want to, I want to start experiencing things and getting a bit of confidence, and you know, going back to college and studying something I was passionate about, and you know, then getting a job and. You know, and then going like hiking, running, you know, joining gyms, doing all this stuff that I I, I never had the self worth to go and do or the or the confidence to go and do. 
And and that's yeah. what sobriety gave me, man. It gave me that sense of confidence and realizing that, like what you said, life is short, man. Life is transient it's, it's, and it's fragile. And to make the most of it and not to be getting worried about what people think about you, getting worried about compa- com- comparing yourself to other people, hanging on to the past, you know, terrified of the future. You know, it's it's that thing of just like, what can you do today? If you're not happy where you are, make change in your life, you know, and if you're mm. sick and tired and being sick and tired, then do do something differently. Like if you are, if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. And it's about changing mm. that trajectory and and like that as well. The community you keep around you. Like if you hang around with a bunch of quitters, you're gonna be a quitter. If you hang around mm. with, if you stick with the winners, you know you're gonna be a winner. And that positivity and that mindset, it gets contagious. You know you see all these other guys that are going after it, smashing their goals and just living a, a good, happy, healthy life and a good, decent people. That starts to rub off you, man. But if you hang around with these people that are always gossiping, the negative, you know, cynicism, you know, drama, you know, that that's all your that's what you'll start to bring into your life. So we found it's, that it's the law of attraction, isn't it? Yeah. You, what you betray out betrayal out is what you draw in and there's no coincidence that when i was drinking and smashing in loads of drunk drugs i was hanging around with people that were doing the same thing yeah. now i've changed my mindset and i'm 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 looking forward to self-development and improving myself i've drawn other people in positive people into my life like this conversation right now mm. me and you would have never connected if if we were not on the same path do you know what i mean boring, That's how it works. It? yeah yeah, yeah. It's funny, and it's actually a group of my friends here from Dublin. They're gone over to Scotland to meet another group of, of sober dippers, the uh, Max Colby. I don't know if you ever heard of them. They're, oh, the name rings a bell. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're open. They're up in Glasgow, but like that, they're a sober community, and they found nature and sea dipping and camaraderie as just another way of. Um, coming together and overcoming addiction like and we have a similar group here in Dublin and they're gone up to Scotland to meet they've never like two crowds of people that have never met each other and they're like family now because again yeah. it's like you can you can bond and relate to each other because you know here I've once been hopeless and in the dark and in the rain and now I'm in the light and now I have this bit of hope and sometimes it's, it's one person's in a struggle and the other person's on the up and, and, and just being able to kind of you know, give each other that sense of encouragement because not everyone is going to be happy all the time. Not everyone's going to be sad all the time. Like what you said, mm-hmm. everything passes. But it's like you can come together and just share about where you're at in life and hear other people, how they're navigating situations. And that's why it's our community really helped me because I'd hear people talk about going through divorces and or, got, or they can't pay their bills this month or they, their car got a clamp or they're struggling with their mental health and all these things and how they navigated it without taking a drink and then you hear all the positive things like people that done a marathon or people that got married or had kids or mm. got their kids back or went back to college and you know you're hearing all aspects and being able to live in, in a life without a drink or a drug or needing to escape and it's just yeah. like it's like a, a roadmap for, for life like you know yeah and that's an important point to make as well because life still turns up I'm sure like you know in in recovery you still get a parking ticket that will piss you off. You still get something bad that happens in your life that are out of our control. But it's it's but going back to that that saying before, like like every single emotion is just temporary. So you, you get you get the, you practice the tools to learn to deal with these things. 
but since I've been jumping in cold water, uh, being uh, stuck at a red traffic light, or if I've got a parking ticket, I don't get that in a rage and anything anymore because I practice discipline every single day. Mm. And I practice controlling my emotions by jumping in cold water. The, the stress goes. You know what I mean, yeah, <laughs> man. My logic on that, and oh, you get this from when I get in the sea here. Is that like it's so hard getting into the sea because you're doing something that's really makes you feel uncomfortable, and it is a very mm. uncomfortable sensation getting into that cold sea. You're getting out of the comfort zone, and then when you get out, you're getting that feeling of bliss. You're getting the adrenaline, the serotonin, the dopamine, and mm. and then and then you're going into, jo- into your job, and you're getting the the your boss's email, and you're, you're stuck in the traffic jam or whatever it is. But anything else I face that day after I get in the sea is not going to be as challenging. You know, and no. it, it nearly it sharpens the axe. You know, it nearly it it, 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 it it's good practice for self discipline. Both of us have struggled with self discipline in the past, hence the drink and mm. and whatnot. You know, you get in the sea every single day. Um, that that if I've done it every day for a year, that's why I've done it. It's a bit extreme. I'm an addict, but, yeah. but I, I, <laughs> no. set, I, I set the year long challenge because I thought my self discipline shit. I need to do something about it. I'm going to make sure I I'm going to do this get up every single day and there was plenty of days when i was in a warm bed and and i could hear the wind blowing outside and and the rain hitting the window and i thought i want to go in there today but i got up and done it anyway and that feeling you get after there was a hundred different ways i was feeling before i got into the sea but the same result every single time i come out of it and i felt exhilarated and in a good mood every single time out of 365 dips no matter how i felt before it changed my mindset and set me up for the day. Well, that is the power of, of self-discipline, getting up into natural light, jumping into freezing cold water. You 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 win the morning, you win the day, a hundred percent. And if you if you're a little bit discomfort have a little bit of discomfort first thing in the morning, to rule out an afternoon full of discomfort with anxiety and stress, it's a hundred percent worth it. You've just got to be disciplined. I heard a guy yeah. say before you know he gets in the sea so he doesn't drown on the land yeah I love that. yeah, for yeah. i wish i bought my notepad man you got <laughs> <laughs> but man isn't is that beautiful though when you, if you were the i heard someone say recently he was a grateful alcoholic and i said what do you mean by that you're a grateful alcoholic because I, when i got sober first i used to think being an alcoholic or an addict was a terrible stigma to put on yourself why would you label yourself that you know, and mm. it's, and I remember saying this to him, and he said, because if it wasn't for my alcoholism and my addiction, I wouldn't have discovered the life I have today. I wouldn't have this mm. profound sense of gratitude for the simple things in life. Yeah, I know what and, and and also, I was grateful for the for the name for the title because for years as a teenager, I knew something was wrong. I just didn't know what it was, yeah. and this was years before I picked up a drink or a drug. So when I found other people with the same things, like, oh, I'm an addict. I was born this way. I, I I can't help it. It's not my fault. Mm. Like, it's not anyone's fault to become addicted to certain stuff. It's, it's nothing up that we can do about it. But what we can do about it is do something about it. Mm. I, I'm an addict today. I'll be an addict tomorrow. I'll be an addict next month, and one day I'm going to be. I'm going to die an addict. I don't mm. have to die from addiction, you know. And that that is the difference. It's beautiful. And, yeah, mate. And and it's powerful and I, and that's what why I do what I do as well. I, I I try and break that stigma because there's even addicts that will not refer to themselves as addicts because of that stigma. But mm. if we just own it, we can break that stigma yeah. and let people know it's all right. 
Yeah, I'm one hundred percent a grateful, grateful alcoholic, a grateful addict, and you know, like you, will get addicted to anything, man. Drink, drugs, fig rolls, Lego, see yeah. dipping, yeah. no, no half measures, bro. But man, yeah. isn't it powerful though that, like, if we hadn't went down them roads of alcohol and drugs, that we wouldn't have found the sea, you know? And it was just, it was like we were just there was something missing in our lives and we didn't know what it was and we were just reaching at things we could get our hands on. Is it the drink? Is it the drugs? Is mm. it this? Is it mm. that? There's just something uncomfortable within me and if I can find something external to fix the internal and we're just grasping at these straws to try and just bring us a sense of comfort because there's at such an unease in ourselves, you know? Mm. And then it's like we found now, we found the sea, we found you know, nature, we found a connection with a higher power, we found a sense of purpose and meaning and a given service to other people, like, and, you know, it's it, it's like we've just t- taken it, that the drinking of drugs was just a detour, for, 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 and then now we're back on path to being our true selves, like, you know? Well, I, I think what, what, what I've thought a lot about this, and I think that all addicts are always, like, in, in the game of self-development, but unfortunately, without the experience, we, we used alcohol and drugs at one point because we thought it improved us of how we were. So mm-hmm. we were always looking for self-development. We just made the wrong choices in life at, some, at certain points because we didn't have enough wounds or scars or experience to realise that this drink and drug isn't actually helping us. It's making us worse. So we're always looking to improve ourselves, but with a little bit of wisdom, with a little bit of time, gone past and with a lot of mistakes we've we've found other stuff that are more beneficial to us and that have helped us more you know yeah it's wild isn't it like if you look back why you know why was I that kid on the playground that felt different from all the other kids why did I feel like I was just an alien on, on this planet I felt like I was on a train and I didn't have a valid ticket you know, you just feel yeah. like this black sheep, man. And then, and then, then when after I got sober, meeting other people, I experienced that as well. And like what you said, you realize you're not the only one that has it, and you get this sense of mm. comfort. And I heard this man say recently, you know, he felt like a black sheep his whole life, and then he came into recovery and he met a herd of black sheep. You know, mm. and, and and I love that man. You get this sense of to, the, the the camaraderie with, with other people and. And and that's the thing. Sometimes maybe we'll never come to the conclusion as to why why did why what, uh, did I always turn to drink or drugs to fill that void, you know? But what I know today is that I know what the solution is. You know, I know how to stay sober one day at a time. I know what I yeah. need to do. You know, um, and that and that's the thing. I, like today, I'm I'm. I'm I'm sober, but I need to renew that every single day. Every morning I wake up, I need to tune into that frequency. Because, yeah, my addiction's in remission, but it's it's in remission on the basis that I, pra- I take my medicine every single day. It's like if you mm. have diabetes, and if you stop taking insulin, your diabetes will come back and start to manifest, and you'll get really oh, sick. Yeah. And it's the same yeah, you're, with addiction. You're, you're in an AA meeting, and your, your addiction's doing one-arm press-ups in the corner. Your addiction's on the steroids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's always going to be there, but it's about putting in the tools into place to protect yourself from taking that first drink or drug. Always, and and um, I, th- I think we're the lucky ones, mate, because we're, we're seeing it for what it is now. And if you just, we know what we've got to do, and, it, and things can get difficult. But if you keep on helping other people, doing the twelve step, and you and you um, express how you're feeling in your meetings and everything, then 
got a good feeling that everything's going to be all right. So beautiful, beautiful, Sam. Sam, I'm just going to finish up with some quick fire questions. Is that okay? Yes, mate. Yeah, of course, man. What's your definition of happiness today? My definition of happiness. Well, it's just being present around my children, being the best version of myself for my kids. So don't get me wrong. I've got a long way to go still. I'm, I'm 28 months sober without drinking a drug. This is the longest I've ever been sober, but it's the strongest my sobriety's ever been as well. I actually feel mental clarity and everything. But I've still got the short temper sometimes. I still feel irritable and restless sometimes. And there's things I have to do to work on that. So my definition of being happy, I've just had a weekend away with my kids in London, right? Nice. And my head, my old head was on me at first, and I got all nervous about going away. I'm so wanted to have such a good time with them that I was getting irritable and restless and snappy with them, which wasn't their fault, right? So I could sit down, sit them down, and say, "Look, Daddy, Daddy was having a go at you now because I was anxious and this and that and the other." But if I was drinking and taking drugs and, and I'd had a weekend away with them and I was pissed off and irritable and restless, I'd have took it out of there on them and they wouldn't have even known it was their fault. Mm. Now I've got now my definition of happiness is being able to let other people know that I'm in the wrong or if they're in the wrong I can tell them off if they need telling off or if I've told them off when they haven't been needed to telling off I can explain to them why I was wrong you know? I love that so learning learning guys what's, what's the greatest advice you've ever gotten take it one day at a time <laughs> I never I, I never understood it when I first when I first got into sobriety but the longer I've been in I understand it's one day at a time what's the worst advice you've ever gotten just have one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What, what advice would you go back and give to your 20-year-old self? I'd tell him to, to take the pressure off, not to overthink everything and, and everything's going to be all right. What's your number one book recommendation? It's got to be, got to be the AA. Yeah. The AA book, isn't it? Yeah, the big book, yeah. The big book, <sighs> yeah, mate. There's a few of them, but that is that is the the one I'd recommend. Um, if you were to pick one song to define your life, what would it be? Well, um, listen to Joe from Luke Combs. Beautiful, absolute belter. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Right, Sam. That was absolutely powerful, man. Thank you so much yeah. for coming onto the pod. You're an I didn't get legend. the definition of quick fire then, did I? <laughs> Do it. I didn't get the definition of quick fire then. I took two. I answered them pretty long term, but no, was, that, that no, good. it was brilliant, man. It's <laughs> powerful. I'm going to play that song now that you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, thanks. Bro. Thank you for having me. Thank on, you man. so much, bro. And you're, you're, it's so true to see it, man. You know, it's just it's filling the cup of better things today. You know, not needing to drink the drugs or the drama. Just fill it up with the good stuff, the nature, the outdoors, the good chats, the good community. It's a good life. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Thank you. Thank you, thanks, man. Sam.